JAG officers or attorneys in the military who told me that the superintendent um, was accusing me of fabricating all these honor boards and that it was my fault that all of this went down and he was trying to make me the scapegoat. And so I had some decisions to make at that moment. And I decided that whatever I was going to do, I was going to do the right thing and tell the truth. Welcome to the Passion Struck Podcast. My name is John Miles, a former combat veteran and multi-industry CEO turned entrepreneur and human performance expert. Each week, we showcase an inspirational person and message that helps you unlock your hidden potential and unleash your creativity and leadership abilities. Thank you for spending time with me today, and let's get igniting. Welcome to Momentum Friday. I am so excited about today's message, and I'm going to start it off through a quote that I've loved for the majority of my life. I'm not going to give you who it is, though, until later on in the episode, but this quote has inspired me so much throughout my career, and it goes something like this. It's the action, not the fruit of the action, that's important. You have to do the right thing. It may not be in your power, may not be in your time that there'll be any fruit, but that doesn't stop you from doing the right thing. You may never know what results come from your actions, but if you do nothing, there will be no result. And I couldn't have said that better myself. And today I'm going to talk about what it means to do the right thing and to give you three tips on how you can apply that in your own life. But before I start, let's talk about the journey to getting to where we are today. I started the Passion Strike podcast in my origin episode by discussing the decline in entrepreneurship and business vitality brought on by what I consider to be the contagions of the human mind, the human spirit, and the human ego. I then took that a step further in the next episode where I discussed using Admiral Stockdale as the backdrop, the brutal reality of confronting whatever your current situation is. And I gave steps on the path to unlocking that current situation and how you face it. I then went into that one of the things that you need to do when facing it is to look at the influences, people, activities that are around you that may halter you from doing the hard work that it takes to face that brutal reality in my episode on the mosquito principle. I then went into an episode where I talked about the importance of showing up and the lessons that Matthew McConaughey told me about showing up and how important it is that you do that every single day so that you are driving your inputs closer to that output that you want. And then I went into what it means to be a visionary arsonist. And last week, I covered the topic of the importance of finding a mentor, and I gave what I call the four C's to finding a mentor. Today's episode, I'm going to go through in more detail both the story of the person whose quote this is from and my own personal story about doing the right thing and how much both of those changed the trajectories of both of our lives. 
Hi, today I'm going to talk about the concept of doing the right thing. And on the surface, you might think that sounds like such an easy thing to do. But through my experience, it's actually one of the most difficult things to do in depending on the circumstance, because oftentimes it affects others and not just yourself. It affects how others perceive you. It affects consequences that could happen to others. It affects your reputation. It could affect your relationship. It could affect the relationships between others. And so as you are getting started or are in the midst of your passion journey, there are going to be many occasions where you're going to face situations where you're going to have to stand up and do the right thing. I know I have had to do it countless times during my career. And so today, I want to talk about this through the lens of looking at one, a historical leader, whose quote I gave at the beginning of this episode. And then I'll give you one example for my career. And then I'm going to talk to you about three ways that can help you do the right thing by analyzing the situation differently. So let's get started. The leader I'm going to talk about today was born in India. And like many of the stories I tell, he didn't start out by knowing his passion, knowing his purpose in life, or anything like that. In fact, most people described him as he was growing up as an unremarkable student, a shy kid, and someone who was so timid that even after he got married in an arranged marriage at 13, he still had to turn the lights on every single night until he was in his late teens. And when he was growing up, he had aspirations of being in the medical profession and becoming a doctor, but his father persuaded him to go on and get a legal degree. And so when he did that, at that time, it wasn't as easy as hopping on a plane and going to get your your law degree. He had to go on a ship and sail the whole way from India over to England, which is not an easy cruise to do. But when he arrived, he spent the next three years getting his law degree. And when he returned to India, he was met with incredible grief at learning that his mom had died not soon before he came back. But his family didn't want him to know because they wanted him to finish his degree. And then after that setback, he ran into another one. And one of the first clients he was asked to represent as a new attorney, he did such a terrible job representing him. He couldn't even take on the challenge of defending his own client because he got so wound up and flustered that he wasn't even able to cross-examine them. And so he was embarrassed. He couldn't find a job anywhere else. And so a relative offered him a break to come to South Africa for a year. And when he got there, he thought things in South Africa were going to be different. He thought he was going to be part of the upper class because he had spent the time in Britain, knew their customs, was a lawyer, etc. But at that time, the people of India were treated much like Afrikaners because of the color of his skin. And a pinnacle moment happened in the first year that he arrived when he went to board a train where he had a first class ticket and the conductor wouldn't let him get on. And he had a choice to make. Was he going to take a stand and do the right thing and stand up for himself? Or was he going to do 
the easy thing, which was to take a seat at the back of the train. He ended up standing up for himself. They wouldn't let him on that train, but eventually he was able to get on the train and use his ticket. But following that experience, it ignited a passion inside of him that he was going to take on the rest of his life, the prejudice of color. And no matter what it caused him in personal hardships, he was going to do the right thing. And that's exactly what he did for the next 21 years when he was in South Africa. He took on the color prejudice of Indians in South Africa and at the same time became a political figure in India. And during that time of taking these stands, he did it peacefully, but that didn't mean that he wasn't imprisoned multiple times and didn't face other hardships along the way. And so after those 21 years of being in South Africa, he went back to India as a national hero. But at that point in time, he wasn't yet ready to take on a political career. It wasn't until he saw color of prejudice again in his home country that he decided to again get involved in politics and get started with the Quit Britain movement and to try to separate India from British rule. Something that, again, caused him prison time, caused him great suffering, but he ended up time and time again sticking to his morals and doing the right thing and doing it in a peaceful manner. And it eventually led British government giving India its freedom and dividing the country between India and Pakistan. And unfortunately, just after getting out of prison once again, a radical individual ended up assassinating Gandhi, the person I've been talking about, who most Indians would argue is the father of modern-day India today. And if you look at Gandhi's example that I gave you, and if you're not familiar with him, you Google him more, you will see countless times that through peaceful protest, he did the right thing and stood up for what he believed was something so important to take on, color prejudice. And he ended up not only uniting an entire nation, but Martin Luther King and also Nelson Mandela ended up using his philosophy to help launch peaceful protests in the United States and South Africa that led to huge reform. And so I give this example of Gandhi and his message at the beginning about doing the right thing because some of the aspects that he was going to accomplish in his life, he saw the fruits of, but many others did not occur until long after his death. And how easy would it have been for Gandhi to have taken the easy path, to have taken the one that so many people at that time were following instead of doing what was tough to make that right decision that led him to be remembered like he is today. Similar to Nelson Mandela, similar to Martin Luther King. Now I'm going to talk about this through the lens of my own personal story. And I have had many throughout my career that I could talk about, but I'm going to talk about a defining moment because it happened very early to me in my career. It actually happened when I was at university at the United States Naval Academy. And 
my senior year started out as a fairly typical year. I was still involved in varsity sports and was on the rugby team, was gearing up for service selection to pick where I was going to serve after I graduated. And it was basically a normal trajectory until we got back from Christmas break. And we learned at that point in time, the first inklings that there had been a cheating scandal that was occurring around the electrical engineering final that took place just before Christmas break. And this started out by two midshipmen who had cheated on the exam kind of unknowingly. Um, They had been given this documentation, which we often called at the academy, the gouge. And typically you would get the gouge, but it wouldn't have exact questions on it. It would generally be kind of a study guide to help you prepare for a big test. But in this circumstance, a midshipman on the football team and another had launched a mass plot to make money by distributing the actual electrical engineering exam. But these two individuals came forward. They were both ranked at the top of their class. And I thought they did the right thing. They recognized that they had been given the gouge. They hadn't paid for it. It had just been given to them. And so they came forth to tell their story of what happened. And when this occurred, myself and several other leaders on the brigade honor board went to the commandant and the superintendent and asked them not to take the typical act, which if you're found guilty, violating the honor code, which was to throw them out, but to use them as an example of two people who came forward, not knowing that they had purposely done this and to show that they could still be punished, but could learn from their mistakes. Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things, and Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers... According to a recent survey, saying Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash PassionStruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to Passionstruck. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. They were both kicked out, and it started a huge investigation. 
NCIS was involved, base police were involved, the Midshipman Honor Committee that I was part of was involved, and we quickly realized the magnitude of this was that there were hundreds and hundreds of midshipmen who were involved in cheating on this exam. Are you ready to overcome your fears and start committing yourself to mastery and growth in your life and career? If you are, we're ready to help you. Go to passionstruck.com slash coaching right now, and you'll be able to download the Passionstruck framework and connect with a member of our coaching team. And so a number of us went to the superintendent, who you could think of that if you're not in the military, as kind of president of the university, and went to him that this was bigger than something that we could handle, and it needed to be handled in the right way. And we advocated that he take this to the Uniform Code of Military Justice and not have it be handled by the midshipman system. Because we knew at that time perils of doing that and how difficult it would be in that period of time to try to run hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of midshipmen through this process of doing these honor boards when we only had at that time six or seven of us who were there to facilitate these boards. But in that meeting where myself and the others were trying to do the right thing, the superintendent came back and said, you're going to do it my way or you're not going to graduate. And so he told us that in his mind, there were only 25 people, 26 people who were implicated in this and that that was who we were going to go after. And so we, again, objected to that and told him that it needed to be handled a different way. And so he ended up punishing us for not agreeing with that decision and taking away our liberty and other things during our senior year. And we ended up doing those 25 or 26 honor boards, and about 95% of them were found guilty. But then he decided that those who were on the football team that originated this entire scandal would all, for the most part, be let off the hook. And so it caused a huge reputational ripple effect throughout the academy when that happened. And the reason being is he was the captain of the football team and one of the midshipmen who was implicated was actually the son of a fellow teammate who at this point was the head of the alumni association. And so unbeknownst to me at this time, I I didn't find out until about 25 years later, a peer of mine who was on the honor committee with me ended up going and talking to his father, who was a high-ranking officer in the Army. And between his father and himself, they ended up going to the Baltimore Sun, who launched a number of articles based on what transpired. And as I was nearing graduation, um, this set of articles started coming out detailing the enormity of the situation and how the superintendent Admiral Tom Lynch had tried to cover it up by doing the wrong thing. And so an investigation was then launched by the Navy Inspector General that ended up going on beyond the time I graduated. And I went on to master's schooling 
and was getting prepared to go to my first duty station when out of the blue, weeks before I'm supposed to go, I was called up to the admiral's office who ran my entire community. So you can imagine this year, an ensign at this time, barely out of the academy, and all of a sudden your son summoned up to the admiral's office, which can't be a good thing. And I walk in and I'll never forget it. He said, son, I have no idea what you did, but the secretary of the Navy is dictating that you're to be at the Naval Academy. This was a Friday, Monday morning, in your dress whites, where you're going to be met with legal representatives to defend you um, in whatever the proceeding that's going to happen there. And at this point, I had no idea what was going on, but I reported that following Monday and was met by two JAG officers or attorneys in the military who told me that the superintendent um, was accusing me of fabricating all these honor boards and that it was my fault that all of this went down and he was trying to make me the scapegoat. And so I had some decisions to make at that moment and I decided that whatever I was going to do, I was going to do the right thing and tell the truth. And so I walked in to the Naval Academy Library and spent the next two to three days undergoing intense scrutiny by this vice admiral, who was the Navy Inspector General, other admirals and senior officers, both JAG officers and non-JAG officers alike. And I told my story, not knowing what the repercussion would be but knowing that it was the right thing to do. And after those three or four days, I was called back to DC one time to meet with the Navy Inspector General and the Secretary of the Navy one-on-one, where again, I was read the riot act and accused of sabotaging much of what was happening during that time. And I stuck to my guns and I told the story and I did the right thing and told the truth and stood up for myself and the other members of the honor board in that situation. And a few months later, I found out that Admiral Lynch was relieved of his duties and that the inspector general ended up finding hundreds and hundreds of midshipmen who had been guilty. Many more were dismissed and most of them were punished. I never knew from that point on, what was going to happen. I never got an apology. I never heard anything back and went into my career not knowing if the next day might be my last because I was going to be terminated and my commission taken away from me. But I knew that I had done the right thing. And I knew by the actions of the inspector general that it mattered and that people were held accountable doing the wrong thing. And the superintendent, who also tried to cover this up, was also punished for doing the wrong thing. And that taught me, although it was painful and traumatic, a very important lesson about sometimes you've got to make a choice and stand up for your personal core values, whatever they may be. And for mine, it was standing up for doing the right thing doing the hard thing, regardless of the circumstances and regardless of how my reputation might be affected. 
So using both Gandhi's example and my personal story, I want to give you three tips that you can use if you're faced in a situation where you're called upon to do the right thing. The first is you need to step back and rationally think about the situation that you're in. There are different ways that you can do this, but oftentimes when we're faced with something like this, the natural urge is to make a quick decision. And I would tell you to do the opposite and to take a step back and think through it and all aspects of the situation that you're in. Think about the repercussions that come from your action, not only in the short term, but also the potential ramifications that could come in the long term, both positive and negative. Think about what got you into this current situation and a possible solution that could get you out of it by doing the right thing. Ask yourself, could whatever this crisis you're in be avoided? Who else is this affecting? What would the consequences be to them by not doing the right thing in this circumstance? How will this affect your own personal reputation? How will this affect the way you view yourself and how you feel about yourself if you don't do the right thing? Also, compare your current predicament to things that you've faced in the past and think about how those manifested themselves and the repercussions that you faced when making those decisions compared to the one that you're facing today. Second, imagine all the possible outcomes. And don't put yourself in a stressful situation where you're doing this, where you're forcing yourself into a panic over it. Try to take a step back and logically think through what are the repercussions of the decision that you're going to make. I would encourage you to weigh the pros and cons of the decision and to look at them and to make sure you look at them objectively and filter out the noise from the decision that you have to make. And more importantly, prepare yourself for the unexpected things that may occur and how others may view you when you're forced to make this decision. It may be difficult to anticipate the unexpected, but getting in the mindset that it could happen is so important for you to think about the decision that you're going to make. Lastly, consider other people who may be affected by this decision and the other individuals involved. Doing the right thing isn't just about you. Just like my classmate at the Naval Academy, who ended up going to the Baltimore Sun and exposing this massive cover-up that was happening, he did the right thing. And he apologized to me for 25 years later because the ramifications of his decision directly impacted me. He wasn't called upon to go to the library like I was. None of my other classmates that I'm aware of who were on the honor board were either. But I accept his decision because he, along with me, were trying to do the right thing in that situation. And think about what Gandhi had to do in his life 
the ramifications of his decisions not only impacted him, they impacted at times hundreds, thousands, millions of people around him. So I would encourage you to ask these questions when you're thinking about, am I making the right decision? How will doing the right thing be for the benefits of others? How will situations get better when I do it? How will relationships both improve and potentially worsen? And most importantly, what makes what you're doing the right thing? And that's one that you really need to spend some time on because you need to make sure that doing the right thing isn't because of your ego. It's not because you're angry at some person and you're doing this in spite of them. It's because you truly believe that it's the right thing to do. And I know throughout my career, as I've been faced with very difficult decisions, I've used this similar series of steps to help me think about the right thing to do and making sure that I do it. And I hope you're able to apply this lesson today into your own life and take this forward because as I said at the beginning, the important thing is that we do the right thing. You may not know now, and it may take a long time, and you may never know the fruits of your labor. But if you do nothing, then nothing, as Gandhi said, is ever going to happen. Just like Gandhi and my experience at the Naval Academy, how often are we faced with decisions throughout our life that could have huge consequences? But the importance, and I hope what you took away today, is a framework that you can use and some questions that you can ask yourself about doing the right thing, because it can have such a profound impact on you and your passion journey and how others see you. I am so appreciative to each and every one of you for taking the time to listen or watch the Passion Struck podcast. And if you really liked today's episode, please share it with growth-minded friend of yours on Instagram, Facebook, or wherever they may be on social media. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral by sharing the knowledge and insights you can use to unlock your hidden potential. To hear more, please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell three of your most driven and motivated friends about the show and post to your social accounts, that would help us grow our Passion Struck community too. If you want more tools to unlock your potential, please make sure to also visit our website, passionstruck.com, to sign up to our email list as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. Be sure to tune in on Tuesdays and Fridays for our next episodes. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.